This is Deep Dives, and I'm your host, Matt Samuels. We are joined yet again by the executive producer of Deep Dives, Miles Gross. Miles, how are you today? I'm doing just fantastic, Matt. How are you doing? This is the most enthusiastic I think I've heard you in all, all the shows we've done together. You sound... You, you know, sound... you got... You have to in times in times like this when daylight savings and, you know, it gets darker earlier. You gotta you gotta keep the pep in your step, you know? Sad times we live in. Mm. So you're, you're not a uh, daylight saving guy? I mean, who wants it to be darker earlier? It stinks. It's like 4 p.m. and I can't see outside. It's ridiculous. But isn't it for the... Uh, isn't it for, like, the farmers or... It's I don't care the, who it's for. For the kids, the kids, they gotta. It's gotta be it's light for the out. kids. It's for I think the kids. it's. For, I think it's for the school children because when they get picked up on the bus, they they want it to be light out. That's that's. I read that somewhere. I don't know if that's yeah. true. But. All right. Well, I, yeah. I don't I'm know sorry. how to read, so I I don't know. I'm sorry. It's such an inconvenience in your life. I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. The reading or the daylight savings? Both. <laughs> They're both pretty bad. <laughs> uh, I feel bad. But I got an extra hour of sleep, so I guess I can't complain. But it's only one night. I only got one night of extra sleep. You know, so. Yeah. And I have to live with the with the consequences for for months months on end. So. Unbelievable. Uh, we, me and you were talking a little bit off air. You know, we were we, as we mentioned last week. We were we we're doing the performance review for the intern. And it looks like when we do, you know, we only have a couple episodes left in the season, season one. We're going to do a season recap episode, me, you. And even though he's, you know, basically terminated, uh, will no no longer be joining us for season two. The intern I heard is going to join us for a little recap. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I was shocked myself. But after listening to the last podcast, I thought he would have just left and not even said anything. And uh, the intern actually said, you know what, I want to be on the last Mm. recap episode. And I think it's going to be interesting for many reasons. I think he's going to spill his guts. I think he might call us out on some stuff. I mean, maybe hopefully I I would like him to admit to some of the wrong doings he did. uh, Take responsibility for his actions. Um, But who knows? We don't know until we get there. This could turn into like an episode of Jerry Springer here. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, this... we should bring a little. We should bring security or someone at the door. I don't know. Uh, I'm a little worried about this, Miles. We we've really vented a lot on the air. Should here. we do it in front of a a crowd of uh, of deep divers? <laughs> I mean, should we have an audience come? I think we should. We should. We should do this thing up. I think we should have. <laughs> we should have certainly have a um, a live studio audience. A hundred percent. Most, that would be incredible. Mostly for our safety, but it would also be kind of cool. It'd be nice. But we, vaccinations required, of course. Oh yeah, we're gonna have we'll have like a bouncer, a vaccine bouncer at the door. A vaccine bouncer, and then a bouncer for anyone that gets uh, a little rowdy. We'll put a little red, you know, one of those like ropes around us where we film it, so no one could go over the rope. It's gonna be a whole. It's gonna be a whole thing. It's gonna be a whole thing. It's gonna be a big season finale. I'm excited. It's going to be very exciting. So we'll 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 have the intern on. That'll be the recap show and uh, a couple weeks we'll see we'll see what happens. But our guest this week is David Fogel. And David is the executive executive director and general counsel of the NBA Coaches Association. So a uh, a really fascinating job, a a high-powered job and an all-around phenomenal guy. Uh David was a pleasure to interview. We had a wide-ranging conversation. 
talked about you know how he kind of got his start in in the in the world of of sports and and kind of tying that into his you know obviously he's he's a lawyer so tying it into his legal background uh you know getting a start in the NBA what his daily role is the the future of the NBA we 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 kind of covered uh covered just about everything and he was um gracious with his time and and really um really informative so Looking forward to, uh, to to airing this interview with David you, Miles. You listened in a little bit. You know you're 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 playing basketball every night. You're a big basketball guy. Um, you know what was it like hearing David? You know, kind of this inside look um, at you know the, not only the coaches association but you know kind of the the state of the NBA. Oh, I think it's incredible. I think it's one of the the best sports best industries to be a part of right now um been around for so many years i think it's 75th year mm-hmm. uh this year 75th anniversary which is unbelievable but i mean i think it's still one of the hottest sports to be playing in to be a part of in the industry and to hear someone that's that's in it day in day out um such an honor uh i would love to be a part of the nba i don't know if i'll be a player but uh maybe <laughs> you know <laughs> a different side of the of the game but yeah i mean out of the four major sports in the in the u.s right now nba is just i mean easily number one and mm-hmm. it's by far no no doubt about it by the way i've seen you play basketball i don't think you're going to be on the court anytime soon but... give me a couple of years give me a couple of years but what's interesting is david you know he, he's he's directly involved in the coaches association so it's kind of an area that um you know, you, I, I, maybe I didn't appreciate or understand just, you know, the the inner workings and you know all the responsibilities involved in in representing, um, you know, the coaches. There is there is so much there in terms of their salaries and and healthcare and packages and and you know it's a it's it's an extremely high powered strong, um, you know group group of people and and you know david is is really responsible for their for their well-being it's um it was it was really fascinating just just a great a great they're all as i say every week they're all good every i love every show but this one um really got just just a conversation that that was that was memorable so um miles thanks uh thanks for taking the time and uh you know keep up uh keep doing what you're doing Oh, I'm gonna start prepping for this season finale. Don't mm. don't wait on me, Matt. It's gonna be great. Are you gonna send out invitations? What are you gonna do? Uh, don't worry about it, Matthew. I'll I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll make it good. I'll make okay. it great. I'll make it exciting. Uh, we're gonna go out on a high note. Yes. Yeah, we're going After out with a crazy, crazy, crazy season one. Oh my God, we got to go out on a high note. Mm. We're going Wrapping out all on, up. Going out on a bang, my friend. Oh yeah, big bang. Big bang. Uh, Miles, thank you again, and we will be right back with David Fogel. And we are back on Deep Dives with our guest this week, David Fogel. Hey, David, how you doing? Hey, Matt. Good. How are you? I am doing well. I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on deep dives. I know I know you're a busy guy, a lot obviously a lot happening. So, uh, you know, really appreciate you uh, you know, taking the time to come on the show. Absolutely. No, happy to be here. So, so was sports always an interest of you from, you know, from a young of interest of you from a young age? Did you 
were you interested as a fan? Did you did you play sports? Um, you know, obviously, you know, you're and obviously, you know, we'll we'll dive deep into your your current job and your role. But sports is, um, you know, you have the law aspect, of course, but sports is 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 kind of the main driver to it. Was this kind of something that um, has been part of your life from you know from from childhood? Absolutely. As as far back as I can remember, I was always you know, watching sports, playing sports for, for me, it, it, you know, was a a great way. I mean, one, just to, to spend time with, with my dad, um, big sports fan himself, but, um, yeah, growing up, you know, whether it was baseball or, or basketball, uh, kickball, soccer, you know, dodgeball, just running around, you name it. Um, I, I was always a big fan and, and there was so much I learned from sports, you know, there, obviously the, the competitive nature of it and, I'm definitely a competitive person, but you know, also leadership, right? From from a young uh, young age, right? Whether there's captains or no captains, you're you're learning to kind of lead others on the court or the field, or or you know, learn how to be coached or be led. And so, um, leadership was was a big part. Competitiveness, uh, sportsmanship, right? You know, being, being graceful both on the court and and off. I think there are a lot of lessons learned from there, and. Um, you know, I think the biggest, which is it, it carries through for anything, is, is just being able to collaborate with others. And and sports taught me that from a very young age. I was very fortunate um, to uh, ha- have played baseball all the way growing up, uh, played in college at, at Emory, was recruited to play. And so, um, yeah, sports has, has given me a lot. And, and just, again, just from a young age, always found myself just being around other kids and, and sports happened to be a, a tremendous avenue. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Uh, in, in, you know, sports is, it represents so much more than, you know, the physical, you know, hitting a golf ball, throwing a, you know, throwing a pitch, uh, you know, throwing a football. There's, there are so many lessons learned uh, that, you know, it's really kind of a microcosm of of many of the other aspects of of our lives, of teamwork and and building, you know, building up and and growing. I mean, I think of my own life. You know, a lot of those firsts uh, happened. Uh, you know, in terms of you know life experiences happened around a baseball field, or you know, you learn this for the first time or that, and um, you know, it's certainly you know a part of um, you know part of just as a kid just. Kind of growing up, um, you know, a lot, a lot of. I'm sure you have a lot of those same memories too. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, it's it's funny, and I was actually just able to, to to spend some time with my dad, and and you know, we we always reminisce, and and you know, you never remember, you know, the play or the score, or you know, you you may remember who won or lost, but it's it's just those moments of you know being around friends, being around family. I I was fortunate to have just some amazing, amazing coaches in, in my life that, you know, I still keep in touch with, um, you know, 10, 20 years now. And, and so it, it, it's just that camaraderie and, and just, you know, the, the people aspect that I just loved about it. And, and, um, you know, like I said, just, just, just giving a lot, you know, to me. So you, so you go to Emory, uh, for undergrad and then you decide to go to law school. Um, you go to the Benjamin N. Cardozo uh, school of law, which is in New York city. Why, um, why did you make that decision to go to law school at that time? 
Um, did, did, were you thinking maybe you would practice law or use it, you know, kind of as an instrument for business? What was, you know, what was the game plan and, you know, going to law school? Yeah. So I'm, I, I was probably one of those strange kids who, who from an early age knew I wanted to be a lawyer, um, for, for whatever reason, you know, my, um, you know, d- didn't have too many family members that were lawyers, but just, just knew I, I loved to, to read and write, um, kind of loved to, I wouldn't say argue, but, you know, just kind of love to, to talk through issues and, and come out on the other side. And uh, so I always knew I, I, I wanted to go to law school. And um, growing up, mine, it's, it's a, actually an interesting story, but I, I, I grew up, you know, around labor unions and, and management. And, and actually my grandfather, um, when he came over to this country, he, he passed a few years ago. Uh, but when he came over following the Holocaust, the only job he could get uh, was sweeping floors in a tie factory in mm-hmm. New York City, and uh, he ended up working his his way up. And you know, at the time, if you were in the cutters union, uh, you got better pay, better benefits, and and so he would stay after work and and taught himself how to you know cut different tie patterns and, and different factory um, you know tile patterns, and and so um, slowly but but surely kept working his way up, and and when. Uh, came time for the owner to retire. He actually came to my grandfather to see if he wanted to buy the factory and, and the business from him. And my grandfather, you know, didn't have much money to his name and, and uh, kind of on a handshake deal, uh, borrowed money from friends and family and, and was able to buy into the tie factory. And, and so growing up um, was always there. My dad went into the business. Uh, all my uncles went into the business. And uh, my grandfather's first break, you know, actually came um, at, at the time, Ralph Lauren, his, his name was Ralph Lipschitz at the time, um, was a buyer for Bloomingdale's and, and, uh, at the time everybody was wearing the, you know, skinny ties, like, uh, a lot of people, you know, I guess today it's, it's not a lot of neckties, but a few years back, you know, a lot more skinny ties and, and Ralph had this idea for these wide boxy ties and everybody, you know, thought he was crazy and, and it was never going to work. And, he actually went to the uh, mills in, in England and in Italy and asked for an honest shop in New York City that they would recommend. And, and unbeknownst to the other, uh, both factories recommended my grandfather's factory. And so Ralph came kind of with a, a shopping bag of, of fabric and, you know, asked my grandfather to um, you know, make him some ties. And my grandfather said absolutely and, and uh, told him he wasn't going to charge him anything. And you know, Ralph, you know, said, no, please charge me. And, and, you know, he said, no, you know, when I was your age, a lot of people helped me out, you know, helped me uh, kind of get my foot in the door and, and get a leg up. And, and so I'm um, not going to charge you, but, you know, if, if uh, you make it big, um, just remember us. And, and so mm. it was an interesting story because for about 35, 40 years, um, Polo exclusively made their ties at, at my grandfather's factory. And, and so I kind of grew up just being around, you know, the factory workers, my dad and uncle went into the business and they were obviously on, on the management side, but um, just always grew up around and, and hearing the stories about the collective bargaining agreements or, um, you know, factory workers. And, and when they did decide to close up, you know, making sure everybody um, either had a new job or, or their pensions had set in or they had health care for a number of years until they got back on their feet. And, and so, just being ingrained in that in such a young age, I knew um, knew I wanted to go to law school and knew if I could somehow 
make it into kind of the union management, you know, aspect of, of the law, labor and employment, uh, that, 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 that was definitely for me. That's an amazing story. Uh, that is, that is really cool. It's nice to hear, you know, it seems like, you know, the, 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 the American, you know, the American dream there, right? The American, the true American success story that, uh, that you just, um, you know, you love, you love to hear about that. That's really cool. Um, so you graduate law school now and you obviously, you kind of have an idea, you know, the labor unions, you, you know, you kind of see the path forward. How do you end up at working, you know, you, so you have the love of sports too. So kind of the, I can see the intersection there, which makes a lot of sense. How do you end up at the NBA? How does that, um, how did that process, uh, unfold of, of, you know, landing, uh, landing a gig at the NBA? Yeah. So I, I, as a lot of young students, you know, I, I was probably in that same boat where, you know, wanted to do something I, I loved coming right out of the gate, right? When you, you finish up your, your first year of law school, um, it's a lot of work, a lot of reading, um, and, and everybody is looking, you know, toward that, that, that first summer job. And, uh, early on, I, I had gotten involved. We had a, a sports and entertainment law society, and I'd spoken with uh, a number of you know older students just to, about navigating the process. And someone had recommended the Sports Lawyers Association, um, which is a group that uh, you know people kind of in the field um, join. And, and so I joined as a student. You know, downloaded at the time they had a, a membership directory, and, and just started emailing as many people as I could to try and set up, you know, these informational calls, informational meetings to, to hopefully, you know, build some relationships and, and land an internship and, um, you know, probably reached out to 100 people, you know, maybe, uh, maybe 15 or so got back. Um, and, and ultimately, nothing came of it from that one all summer. And so I ended up working uh, for a solo practitioner who, who practiced real estate law and, and Honestly, I had a really good summer, I, and I, I tell students, I, I taught for a couple of years at Pace Law School. Um, I, I tell students it's, it's really important not only to know what you want to do, but equally important to know what, what you don't want to do, and, and was able to learn so much from the solo practitioner, you know, what it's like to, to work at a, a small shop, to be more hands-on, um, taking everything from, you know, start to finish when it comes to litigation materials and, and depositions. And, and so um, really, really enjoyed it, but, but also knew if, if I could, again, had this, you know, affinity for labor work, um, if, if I could get back into that, you know, I, I knew that was, you know, truly solidified as something I wanted to do. And, and so um, kind of toward the, the end of, of that internship, um, our law school was hosting a sports law symposium where they invited a bunch of practitioners, um, you know, kind of in, in the field. There were attorneys for uh, the NBA, the NFL, I believe, you know, the Jets and the Giants and, and some of the other leagues. And, and there was also the executive director from the NBA Coaches Association. His name was Michael Goldberg. Um, he had, you know, he, ultimately he was uh, the NBCA's executive director for uh, 37 years. And he was at the meeting and, and um, really just, just loved what he was about. You know, I, at the time, I, I didn't even know that the coaches had a, a labor association that kind of looked out for their interests. And, and at, at the end of the meeting, or at the end of the symposium, 
everybody went up to, you know, to talk to the attorneys and um, a lot of people went up to Michael and, and kind of waited my turn to, to, you know, introduce myself and speak to him. And uh, we just hit it off from, from an early, uh, early day and um, asked me to call him a couple weeks later. And he had always taken two or three interns during the fall and spring semesters. And, and so I was able to, to, you know, find my way in through the door, uh, through Michael, through the coaches association. And, um, you know, ultimately that, that's really how I got my start at the coaches group. So, so you are now the executive, uh, director general counsel of the NBCA, which is uh, short for the national basketball coaches association. What, what does, um, what is the NBCA, you know, kind of on a, on a, on a, you know, 10,000 foot, uh, you know, looking, looking down, uh, what is the responsibilities, you know, maybe for the layman out there, um, you know, you know, obviously we're not all, we're not all attorneys. So, uh, <laughs> you know, to simplify it, what, um, you know, what is, what is, what does the role entail and, um, you know, what, uh, why does, why does the organization exist? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, founded in, in 1980, uh, we are the labor association that looks out for the interests of, of all active NBA coaches. Um, so that's uh, typically, you know, for now, we, we have 30 head coaches, um, as, as well as around about 185 assistant coaches um, every year. It, it fluctuates as, as teams, you know, hire more assistant coaches. Uh, but so we look out for, for all of their interests. And then we have what we call alumni or inactive members. Um, that could be anybody who might have been let go, um, you know, a few days ago um, to, you know, coaches that, um, you know, maybe in, in their 80s and 90s and, and who are, uh, you know, coaches a long time ago, but still want to be in the loop. We still help them out with speaking engagements and, and clinics. And, and so that, you know, that compromises our membership. But Honestly, we, we try and look out for um, all of the coaches' interests off the court. And so uh, from a legal standpoint, looking out for their you know, pension and, and 401k retirement benefits, disability benefits, um, trying to work through you know, health insurance, you know, as well as there's um, you know, a, a lot of, of turnover in this industry. And so when a coach gets hired uh, or fired, unfortunately, um, helping them out with, I'm a you know, labor and employment attorney by trade, so helping them out with a review of their contracts, helping them um, negotiate or, or draft certain provisions, and, and ultimately just being, you know, both a sounding board for their, you know, whatever their individual goals are, um, you know, as well as helping them out with, with some of the legal and then off the court, you know, business aspects. So, you know, I know obviously every day, is going to be no two days are the same in in any industry in any in any job. But you know what? Take us through maybe kind of like the the typical day. And um, you know, I know this is a summertime is 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 busier for sure. Um, you know, I've if you watch if you're a sports fan and you turn on ESPN, uh, you know something something in the world of of basketball is happening, and mm-hmm. and that that definitely involves um, you know coaching. You know, on a on a busy day, let's call it. Uh, what what's happening in in your world? Um, I'm, I'd imagine there's a lot of things happening. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. And, and so you're right. I mean, no, I, I've been with the coaches association since 2013, and and in this role since 2017. And honestly, no two days have been the same. And and uh, I think the easiest way to explain it is, um, 
you know, what the job entails during the NBA season and then what the job entails during the NBA offseason. And it's, it's interesting in that uh, we're going to be much busier during the NBA's offseason. So in, in the offseason, this is, is typically when we have a lot of coach movement, um, you know, when, when a head coach gets hired or, or dismissed, um, that, that, you know, will obviously make the headlines. Um, but there's usually six or seven assistant coaches on the staff. And, and you know, they're the, the coaches that, you know, certainly don't make as, as much money as the head coaches. They may or may not have their own agents. They may or may not have their own attorneys. And so that's really where a, a lot of the work and a lot of the support goes just to make sure they're, um, you know, understanding their legal rights, you know, the, the contracts that they did sign, um, what are their rights today? What are their rights going forward? What, if anything, you know, are, are they trying to negotiate in a severance agreement? Um, you know, when they do get let go, how are they going to manage and balance health insurance, right, for them and their families? And so explaining some of the nuances that, that you know, happens when you do have a separation from employment uh, with health insurance, same thing with retirement benefits, depending on their age and and um, you know, that, that's kind of one aspect of it. The second aspect is, you know, we always have coaches getting hired and new opportunities, moving their families cross country, you know, sometimes from Canada, you know, to the U S U S to Canada. Um, we have a lot of coaches who take international jobs or go coach in college or, or the G league. And so, you know, helping make sure again, right. Everything that they're signing, you know, they understand, um, you know, what, what is it they're trying to accomplish with their negotiations? And, um, you know, so, so that's kind of the, the off season coaching movement. Um, but then we also, we put on a lot of events for our coaches, uh, Las Vegas summer league, which is just, a, a, a um, Warren Legary and, and Albert Hall who have really transformed the Las Vegas summer league. It's, that's our super bowl, you know, to, to mix up the sports analogies, they do just a tremendous job. Um, of league meetings with general managers, you know, players as representatives, agents. We have our coaches association annual meeting out there. We do coaching clinics. We do a free health and heart screening. We've done a, a coaches equality initiative summit on you know ongoing professional and personal development, as well as you know awareness of all of our coaching candidates to to the owners and team decision makers, and so getting ready for 10 days in, in Vegas, um, all, you know, also takes on a, a lot of responsibility in the off season. And, and then, you know, to, to shift back during the season, this is typically when, you know, the majority of coaches, their contracts are, are signed, they're good to go. And, and we're a little more reactive. So when um, something may happen on the court or off the court um, from a legal standpoint, we also appeal, you know, any fines, um, you know, with the, you know, that the coaches may want us to step in on. Uh, but it's also when we look at some of the business aspects. So we do a lot of licensing agreements. Um, we have a, a commercial venture with a company called eCoach, which is basically taking, um, you know, the, the coaches, you know, soft intellectual property, had a game plan. These are the plays they run. Um, these are drills they, they do. This is how they coach NBA players turning that into, you know, two to five minute short form vignettes um, so that we can democratize coaching, right? How else can you get access to 
great basketball minds of, of Coach Carlisle and, and Doc Rivers and, and you know, Coach Eric Spolstra. Um, you know, normally you would never be able to, to learn from them unless you paid money to go to a, a speaking engagement or, or a clinic or, or happen to know them personally. And so to be able to get access to their wealth of knowledge, you know, on a, a smartphone or a tablet, um, you know, that, that that's just one example of kind of the business partnerships that we look to uh, fulfill during the season when we have a, a little more downtime. So basically what you're saying is you, you don't sleep, David. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. A, a lot of caffeine, I would say. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so, I mean, as a sport, speaking as a sports fan, that's, that's what makes sports so great in that, you know, the second, as a fan, talking as a fan, the second the season ends, it's already, you know, let's talk about next year, right? I mean, you know, the, you know, as a Mets fan, every season ends, it ends the same way, which is disappointment, but it's always, you know, hope springs eternal or whatever the saying is, you know, it's, it's, we're constantly looking for that next piece, whether, and a lot of times, you know, the piece is, you know, the, the coach or, you know, the manager or, um, you know, whoever is, is, is steering, um, you know, steering the ship. And I think, um, you know, that, that, that is probably, you know, why, uh, you know, turnover is so high in that, you know, it's a performance-based business, every business, I guess, to a certain extent, but really, you know, in the NBA, you, you are what, you know, your record is, and it's kind of hard to, um, disguise that, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, as, as fans, we're, we're, we're greedy, we're demanding and, you know, all we want to do is win. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, about all the things that, that you do for, you know, for the coaches, because in, you know, in such a high, high profile, high, you know, turnover business, um, you know, someone like yourself is, you know, is, is, is just absolutely necessary. So, you know, what are your kind of, as the, you know, you've since 2017, now you've been, um, executive director and, and general counsel as, you know, as in that job, um, you know, you, you know, taking, taking the top, the top role, what is, what are your main responsibilities now, um, given, you know, I know for a couple of years, um, you know, you, you, you know, this was, this was kind of a newer position to you as this new, you know, since 2017, what other responsibilities have you taken on? Sure. So, and, and, you know, the, uh, another interesting aspect of the coaches association is we're a small office. So there, there's only three of us. Um, there's myself. Um, we have a, a director of business operations, a gentleman by the name of Brandon Wheeler, who, who's been fantastic. He's been with us. Uh, for about a year, and, and then we have a director of communications, um, and, and Karen's been with us uh, for for a long time, and and as uh, you know, kind of the rock of, of you know the the association, and uh, so we're small, so we we get our hands dirty on you know a lot of different aspects, um, you know everything from you know as I mentioned, right, kind of negotiating, and and um, you know I, I serve as a trustee on on the coaches. Uh, retirement plan, you know, uh, jointly with with representatives from the NBA, you know, all the way to, you know, we're figuring out social media posts and and our website and, um, he, you know, again, small shop, right? So if a printer goes down, right, you know, to, you know fixing ink, you know, stuff like <laughs> that. And, and so, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that, that, you know, 1L summer, 
internship where I, I worked for a solo practitioner and um, you know, just, just so many skills that I learned, you know, what, what it's like being at, at a small group. And, mm. and so, you know, I'd say the main responsibilities are day to day. My, my phone is, is usually, uh, you know, ringing constantly. I'm on the phone with coaches. I'm on the phone with agents. I'm on the phone with, um, you know, attorneys, both that, you know, may represent the coach individually, um, or team attorneys, league attorneys, uh, people from the business side, and and so you know, I, I'd say most of my day to day is is kind of spent, um, you know, on the phone, you know, j- just talking through these issues. Um, but you know, main responsibilities are um, helping with the coach's retirement plan, negotiating, drafting, and and re- reviewing employment agreements, um, as as well as you know, kind of taking more of of a role into you know, the association's finances, um, making sure, you know, our, our, our fiscal year is going according to projections, um, you know, making sure revenues are, are increasing when they need to, um, you know, the pandemic, you know, obviously uh, posed some, some challenges. And, and again, making sure, you know, we were budgeting correctly, um, you know, so just kind of all aspects of working for any you know normal organization and and so helping you know with we we have some tremendous consultants uh we have a retirement plan consultant uh, a tax consultant some business advisors uh, a a lot of really bright really skilled you know outside attorneys that i rely on and and so it's it's kind of you know being the point guard of of the situation and just helping manage and hiring you know really smart people to do a lot of the work and, and just kind of, you know, taking a step back and, and making sure, um, you know, I, I, I can get out of the way and, and let the smart people, um, you know, do what, what they were hired to do. Well, I think you're, you're certainly one of those smart people, David. <laughs> okay. You're certainly part of the, part of the group there, but you know, in, in doing this podcast now for a while, the, the, the a big theme is, you know, team and, and hiring, you know, how it's, just a collection of people, right? And 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 hiring people to, you know, I, I think as Bill Belichick always used to say or still says, you know, do your job, right? Isn't that, <laughs> you know, and every if everyone does their job, um, you know, that's how that's how great organizations function so well. So so what would you say is is the most challenging part of of your of your job? What um, what what presents the most difficulties? What you know what is is kind of the steepest uh, you know mountain to climb sometimes? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, I think the most challenging part is, and I alluded to it before, um, you know, we have about 215 members every year, active members. Uh, we keep in touch with somewhere between two to 300 alumni members who, you know, who, who step foot on, on the court as a coach and balancing the interests of, of so many different constituents, you know, with, within the larger group. I would say that that's one of the more challenging parts. We have, you know, you know, younger, you know, brand new assistant coaches who, you know, may, you know, kind of make a, you know, uh, on the lower end of the spectrum, all the way to head coaches who, you know, have have accumulated, you know, a, a large wealth over the years and 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 make much more, and and so balancing, you know, kind of the economic interests of all the groups. Um, again, we'll have coaches in their 30s, you know, we're, we're getting even younger, you know, some coaches in, in their late 20s, 
all the way to coaches in their late seventies and eighties. And so people are at different life stages. And, and so their interests is, are, are going to be different. Um, you know, we, we have, you know, kind of all ranges of, of coaches, you know, race, religion, gender, and, um, you know, a lot of these issues come into the forefront, you know, around the, the job hiring process or, um, you know, just, just kind of equitable treatment, you know, uh, you know, just, just around the business. And so I think always maintaining focus on, you know, we're going to have different interests. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if we can be open, honest and, and transparent, I always talk about that to the coaches and come together as a group. Um, you know, we elect every two years, a, a 12 member executive committee. And, and so, you know, just making sure all of the different interests are, are either represented or brought to the table so we could collectively, you know, make these tough decisions. Um, because at the end of the day, I, I never want, you know, this to be my decision, you know, as, as executive director, my, my job is, is to be more of a, you know, steward to, to the coaches and, and make sure um, their interests are, are the ones carrying the day. So I, I, I think just balancing the different um, you know, relationships, but also just, just the different uh, constituency groups that make up, you know, somewhat of, of a larger um, association. I, I would say that's the most challenging part. And on the flip side, uh, most rewarding part, what gets you excited every day? What, what keeps you coming back, uh, you know, every, every year to, uh, you know, to continue to, you know, to do this job? Yeah, that, that's amazing. That, that's the people. Um, I mean, the, the coaches are tremendous people, both on and, and off the court. You know, there's only, uh, when it comes to the head coaches, only 30 people have these jobs, you know, in, in the world every year. And they are wicked, smart, cerebral, you know, have, have you know, both the, the intelligence IQ, but also, you know, how to balance relationships, how to push people the right way, how to motivate and just how to get the most out of their players or, or other staff members. And, and so for me, that's easily the most rewarding part. Um, and, and I, I you know, I, I kind of knew this from, you know, just you know, growing up, like I see with my grandfather's tie factory, just how many workers would, would come up to us when we were little kids and, and whether it was, you know, the holiday parties or, or just us, you know, kind of being in the city, going to, you know, see my, you know, my dad at work. But just how many of the workers came up and, and thanked us for what my grandfather did, what my dad or, or my uncle did when it came to, you know, this specific situation or, you know, this, you know, retirement benefit that they were able to get after so many years. And and now being in this role, you know, it's it's I have a lot of personal relationships with coaches and, and help them with a lot of their individual situations. And, and so the you know, the thanks I get or, or just, you know, being able to watch, you know, some of our um, assistant coaches when they may have been in the video room, right? They weren't even in our, our coaches association yet. They were video coordinators or, or, or scouts or, or some other roles. And, you know, now to see them, you know, kind of moving up the ranks, the lead assistants and, and even, you know, head coaching roles, it's, that to me is, is tremendous. And, um, you know, the, the basketball aspect of it is, is great. I'm, I'm a huge sports fan, always have been, but you know, it's, it's the people aspect. It's, it's the working for a labor union and, and just, you know, being able to connect with, with coaches and their families that, that to me is the most rewarding. Yeah. About the people it's, uh, I think that's, 
you know, certainly certainly a theme. Um, you know, if you surround yourself and and work, you know, I think it was Warren Buffett who's has always he said, I you know, I don't buy businesses, I buy people who run businesses. I think that was kind of uh, a telling a telling quote, and it it goes you know it goes directly into into what you're saying. Um, and you know that's that's awesome to hear. It, you know, going back, continuing the conversation on people. I know you've had um, a number of great mentors, uh, you know, people that have, you know, helped you in this role, get to get to this role. Um, you know, why don't you uh, tell us about a few of those people that have been, um, you know, so, you know, influential in your life? Yeah, absolutely. And and as, as you could probably tell right from from the theme, it, it, to me, it's always about the people. And, um, I, you know, I tell my law students when, when I was teaching this. You know, it's a lot of times everybody is focused on the name of the company or, or the type of industry or, um, you know, the, the law practice. But, you know, for me, I, I was fortunate and, and I tell law students, if you can find a really good mentor early on, a really good supervisor, that's going to help you out, you know, tenfold compared to, you know, kind of just, um, you know, going for, for the big name or, or the industry. But Early on, I, I mentioned you know him before. I, I was able to work for Michael Goldberg um, right out of law school. Michael was our executive director for 37 years at the Coaches Association. Um, our, our, our first executive director, he helped you know get the first coaches pension plan, uh, kind of helped get coaches overseas and, and doing international clinics, as well as just you know so many other you know t- t- tremendous aspects, you know increasing salaries and, and benefits over the years. And uh, learned so much from Michael. Michael was much more than a boss. He was, you know, a, a mentor and, and honestly like a second father to me. And, and I learned from Michael, you know, at, at an early you know, point just to be genuine. You know, Michael was so genuine with, with how he built relationships with coaches, built relationships with people at the league office. He always seemed to you know, either remember or, or just have stories or, or anecdotes that connected with people outside of if it was, you know, we were talking about a negotiation or, or one business aspect or a legal aspect. Um, you know, it, it was connecting with people outside of that, right? Vacations, television shows, family, um, you know, kids' names, you know, you, you name it. And, and, and Michael was just so genuine in, in his relationships and you know, he would treat, you know, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to, you know, um, kind of work with and, and get to know Commissioner David Stern and now Commissioner Adam Silver and, and, you know, some some tremendous NBA owners. And, you know, Michael would treat the, the NBA owners much the same way that, that he would. And that's something that I just learned from Michael from, from you know, really early on. And, and at the same time, again, wicked smart and and had just such a good legal and, and business acumen, um, but also how to take care of yourself. You know, Michael would meditate every day. He would, you know, do yoga three, four times a week, um, exercise, get outside. He loved New York City, would take me you to, know, you know, all different restaurants or coffee shops and, and just get outside. He loved talking to strangers and, and, he worked ridiculously hard and, 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 and did so much for the coaches, but he also knew how to balance his own life. And, and I think that's something that I really took to heart at, at a young age, you know, you, you're just coming out of 
law school, which is is a, a you know a pretty big grind, and you know we we work a lot of hours, you know at the coaches association, but you know it's something I've taken from Michael. I I, I still try and meditate daily. I'm I'm you know getting into yoga a little bit more, um, but but just being able to you know even if it's five ten minutes, right? Just taking a break, getting up, going for a walk, you know just just kind of cleansing your your mind and. Um, just things that I'll, I'll just never forget about Michael. And, um, you know, it, it was bittersweet kind of jumping into this role in 2017. Like I said, Michael was, was a huge mentor and, and he unfortunately, uh, passed away pretty, um, unexpectedly from, from bladder cancer in, in 2017. And so, um, well, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a great opportunity, um, but really bittersweet because, um, you know, Michael told me early on he he wanted to mentor me and, and um, you know, kind of thought, you know, one day I, I could continue on and, and hopefully learn as much from him to, to one day step into this role. Um, and I just think none of us thought it was going to be, you know, this soon. And, and so that's, um, you know, just just always bittersweet looking back on it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, to have someone like Michael in your life, uh, it. It, it it changed it obviously i can i can that's that's crystal clear um you know and and certainly and certainly for the better uh you know i've i've had i've had a couple of those type of people you know lucky enough to have people like that in in mine as well and they're 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 like gold and you try to just absorb and you know without pissing them off you know trying <laughs> to try to get as close as you know until they tell you to you know buzz off but um it, it's it's having in any business, um, you know, any anything you try to do. I I think if you try to go at it on your own and think you know everything and think you're the smartest person in the room, you're not going to get very far. Um, and you know, having having those influences, those mentors, um, you know, people like Michael is is beyond. You know, I, I don't even think there's a value for it. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of beyond. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, from Michael, again, I, I've been extremely fortunate and, um, you know, when, when Michael Pat's an, another tremendous mentor of mine, uh, coach Rick Carlisle, who is, uh, you know, the current, um, head coach and, and, uh, uh president of the coaches association. He, he's been our president for the last 16 years. And, and when Michael passed, it was obviously, you know, a really hard time, you know, for, for all of us, but, you know, for me personally, professionally and, and Rick, you know, really stuck his neck out on the line and, and, um, you know, as president, you know, relatively young at, at the time and, and kind of put his faith in, in me to step into this role. And, um, I, I owe so much to Rick and, and just getting to know him as, as well as I have over the last, you know, four or five, six years, um, just another, wicked smart brilliant passionate um you know person and and he's taught me so much about you know thinking like a coach and and so i you know i spent three years trying to think and and understand you know kind of the legal profession and how to think like an attorney and and uh, rick's been just just really great and and getting me to you know shift my focus sometimes to um understand coaches needs you know rick has a, a tremendous barometer of you know what what the coaches are feeling what their you know main motivations are what's going to be most important to them uh but he also stands better you know understands better than anybody um just how busy they are right you're, you're never in the city the same city for more than 24 hours 
um, sleep is a premium, um, you know, we, and, and so, you know, making sure we could always be direct, concise, but, you know, be there for the coaches, you know, when they need us. And, and that's something that, um, you know, I've, I've built a, a really great relationship with Rick, someone who I, you know, respect a ton and, and who's, who's done so much for me and, and has done so much, you know, for coaches over the last 16 years, just when it comes to retirement benefits and, and assistant coaching programs and, you know, raising the profile of, of some of the assistant coaches that, you know, may not be getting that awareness, um, you know, to, to team decision makers. So I owe a lot to Rick and, and uh, you know, one other gentleman from the league office, this gentleman, Charlie Rosenzweig, who, um, you know, 30, 35 plus year veteran at, at the NBA. And uh, Charlie was our direct kind of business liaison to the league office. And um, just, again, taught me so much about navigating, uh, you know, a, a big corporate structure. You know, the NBA has uh, a lot more employees than, than three, like, like we are. And so um, learning from, from Charlie some of the ins and outs, um, you know, navigating those relationships and, and uh, you know, just a lot about the business, the marketing, speaking engagements and, and um, you know, kind of putting events on um, just another person who, who I owe a tremendous amount to. And, and um, you know, I, I would not be in this role. I would not be, you know, the, you know, kind of an attorney or, or, or business individual I am today with, without those three. That's that's incredible. Um, yeah, you've certainly had. And what's nice about those three is I think they've seems like they've impacted you in different ways too. Um, you know, there's obviously the overlap of being incredibly smart, you know, driven, um, you know, people. But your role encompasses, you know, so many different aspects. Uh, you know, there's kind of not a you know one size fits all. It seems like um, you know it's kind of bit of a, you know, bit of a, you know, utility player, I guess, in, in, in that way. You even have to, you know, you have to, you have to fix the toner when the printer's, when the printer's not working. <laughs> that, that was always my role in baseball. So it, it, <laughs> I like that. Well, some utility players have gone to the Hall of Fame, so you never know. <laughs> so, so, as, so, as a Mets fan, kind of the, what was it, Joe McEwen? Was he, uh... he was pretty good. Not Hall of Fame, but he did all right. Yeah. <laughs> You can make a lot of money being a utility player. Uh, there we go. So, so to wrap it up, David, before we let you go, um, you know the the future of the NBA really, to me, you know, being a fan of of the four major North American sports, the future of the NBA seems really bright. Um, you know, uh, not to get into the other sports, but there's been a lot of you know PR headaches and. Um, you know, time of play and 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 just a lot of issues. It seems, I mean, base the NBA certainly isn't immune to that, but seems like, I mean, there's no better commissioner than Adam Silver. Uh, he just is is just every issue seems to attack it head on and 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 just does a fabulous job. Um, what do you see for the kind of the future of the NBA in you know five ten years? I know the landscape you know, as you mentioned, is changing with technology. It's hard to really predict anything today. But, um, you know, what do you see for the NBA going forward? Yeah, and I, I think you nailed it. I mean, uh, Commissioner Silver is is phenomenal. He's direct. He's he's decisive. But he, he also collaborates and, and he listens. And, and there's 
you know, an open line of communication to, to myself and, and Coach Carlisle as president. And, and and I know he treats all the other constituents groups, constituencies, you know, that that same way. And and so I think there, there's nobody better to to kind of lead, you know, the NBA, you know, five, 10, however, 15, however many years into the future, because Adam just has you know such a, a tremendous barometer of, of the business, but also the the people of it. And, you know, I think, you know, you, you also know that, right, technology is changing. I think we're going to see, um, you know, viewership of games be different. We're already expanding into, you know, many different, you know, countries and, and regions that, you know, however many years ago, that wasn't the case and streaming versus cable and, and, you know, other technology, right. VR, AR, you know, kind of putting you, um, you know, in those courtside seats without actually being there. And, and I think as, as many of the challenges that, um, you know, COVID faced, you know, the, the, the kind of the NBA infrastructure um, also led to, I, I think, a lot of research and development and trying new things that, you know, we may be one or two or five years closer had COVID not happened. And, and so I think technology is, is really going to change everything. And, you know, I'd, I'd say for the sport, it, 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 I know I said it before, but it, it really, you know, the sky's the limit. It's, it's one of the only sports, you know, for, for coaches, right? People aren't, and athletes, you know, they're, they're not behind a, a mask. They're not behind a, a screen. You really get to see their personalities. I, I think Adam has done a really great job. And, and Michelle Roberts of, of the Players Union, um, their executive director and another phenomenal business person. Um, they've both done a, a really great job of, of letting the athletes and, and the coaches from our side just, um, you know, be people first. And, and I think the fans have really, you know, enjoyed seeing that. And, um, you know, all you need is, is a, a ball and, and a hoop and, and you're good to go. And so I think more and more kids are going to continue to play it. Um, and and I, I really think the sky's the limit for the game. That's awesome, David. Um, I agree with you. I'm I'm looking forward to many great years of 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 NBA basketball. Probably not so many great years of Knicks NBA basketball, but I, I don't want to keep you for for three more hours about that. Um, that's a that's a whole other story. But you know, <laughs> did see some improvements. But uh, I I I appreciate you taking the time. It's been uh, it's been an awesome hour with you. I I really. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount. Uh, I think I think our listeners were were you know really you provided a tremendous amount of value to them and you know learning about a, uh, a an organization a, a, you know that really provides um, you know that is that is vital uh, you know and and really you know part of a you know a, a, a business that is thriving. So um, David, thank you again uh, for coming on the show and uh, definitely stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Really appreciated the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Dives with our guest, David Fogel. Deep Dives can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Deep Dives.